And that's a brand. It's Fluff a brand. It, Fluff is, but the sandwich is called Fluff or Nutter. You know, Fluff <laughs> and peanut butter. Right now. <laughs> oh, it's really good. Don't don't be a snob. You gotta try it. <laughs> Hi, guys. Welcome to Undressed with Style Girlfriend. I'm your host, Megan Collins, if you don't know by now. Uh, This is our forum for, you know, talking to cool folks who I have decided are living their lives with style. And oh my gosh, guys, do we have a doozy for you today. If you haven't yet, please first go and subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. We love reviews. Like, Two thumbs up. I laughed. I cried. Bravo. You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) And, you know, if you want to add a couple stars, four, maybe five, whatever the top one is, you just, you, you do you. That's all I'm saying. So today on Undressed, we're welcoming designer Todd Snyder. The Iowa-born designer is a fashion guy after my own heart, uh, and not just because he's from Iowa. Doesn't hurt, though. <laughs> After stints at Ralph Lauren, The Gap, J. Crew, he started his own label, which, I mean, you guys are a well-dressed bunch. You might actually be wearing some of it as you listen to this. <gasps> Ooh, actually, if you do own any Todd Snyder, you should hit pause, go put it on, and then listen. Because that's kind of meta, right? That'd be cool. <laughs> Todd's been the recipient of all kinds of fashion accolades and awards, but more than really any designer I can think of, his clothing for guys, it's just really accessible, both in style, as in it doesn't necessarily look like something that you could see on the runway but never actually wear in real life, and in price point, which to me is super important. Uh, So if you haven't heard of him though yet, you will soon, and that's because American Eagle Outfitters, heard of it, uh, just bought his namesake label and his tailgate clothing brand, which we'll talk about more in the interview, Uh, and it's really putting him in a position to just blow up at the mass retail level, as in, if you've not heard of him, he will be in your mall soon, so get ready. He's a really great guy, really interesting, and I love talking to him, so please enjoy this conversation with Todd Snyder. Hi, Todd. Hi. Thanks so much for coming on Undressed. We're so happy that we were able to finally connect. We actually had to reschedule We'll put it at a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. Most recently because you were headed to Honolulu for Hawaii Fashion Week. Yeah. So my first question is, is that really a thing? <laughs> is that really a thing? I think you can make it a thing. Um, yeah, you know, For us, it was really interesting because we have such a huge customer in Japan and probably 50% of the people who come to Hawaii are from Japan. So... We wanted to test it out, but you know, it was definitely um, kind of one of those nice things to do. And they first asked me originally; I wasn't going to do it, um, <laughs> but they said Hawaii and in um, November or in October November, or and I'm like, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll test that out yeah, for you. Yeah, so I figured, we, why not? But it was great. It was we met a lot of people, and there is I didn't realize how many Japanese or like um, people actually visit Japan. Nice. That makes yeah, sense. Or visit Japan. Visit, visit Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> First I visit didn't even Japan. think up on that. Um, yeah, I mean, you just said it yourself, and I think the New York Times uh, said it as well in a, a profile. You are huge in Japan. Yeah. Why is it that you think your designs resonate with an international audience? Um, well, I think specifically with Japan, um, they love Americana. Um, they love anything that is authentic and 
has heritage and has um, this true American style. And I think that's a big reason why they've embraced me. So like my first season there, it was incredible. Um, I went right after the tsunami and about two or three weeks after. And at first I wasn't sure if I was going to go. I didn't know if it was like I'm going to do my business there. It doesn't, didn't sound like the right timing. But the fact that I went, so many Japanese were touched by that, the, yeah. you know, that I would continue on kind of what I was doing and not stopping it, you know, because, you know, people still need to live. And um, I think they were touched by that. Plus, um, I did just think it showed my dedication to Japan. And, and um, you know, since then, I've been there probably a dozen times. Uh, I go like two, three times a year. That's a trek. That is a trek. Yeah, I sleep pretty well in, in planes, so... That is a life skill I have yet to master. Yeah, I'm. Uh, that's probably one of my few gifts that I have. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely see uh, the Americana, the heritage uh, coming through, and I think that that totally speaks to our shared mid- Midwestern background. I'm mm-hmm. from Wisconsin, you're from Iowa. Oh. How much do your roots play into your work? Um... I think it really helps keep me grounded. Um, you know, I've lived in New York for 20-plus years. And, you know, my first job is I worked for Ralph and I've, you know, worked for Gap and worked for J. Crew, And I've been able to work for some really talented people. And it's really, you know, I've been able to see the extremes, you know, living here and traveling. But then when I go back home, I kind of see the average guy and what he wears. And I'm able to kind of balance kind of what I see here in New York versus what I see in... It's so tricky because that's how, um, you know, that's how I see it too when I go to Wisconsin versus, you know, seeing guys out on the street here with their style. And it, it comes across as not insulting, but patronizing maybe to call a guy who lives in Iowa or a guy who lives mm-hmm. in Wisconsin average. I don't, I think mm-hmm. that doesn't do him the justice. Of no, no, it doesn't. It <laughs> definitely respect, doesn't. But, yeah. but yes, in terms of distinction. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly keeps, I mean, it's, it's kind of the difference between, uh, you know, if you're always, you know, uptown is so much different than downtown and, and downtown's even different than like Williamsburg. And, and it's just great to kind of see what the rest of America is like. And having that perspective has always kind of made me good at what I do because I'm able to push people along and knowing what's, what's extreme, what's not too extreme. Um, so I think it's really important, especially in fashion and especially if you want to make money. <laughs> Which I love that you can even admit that that's something that you like to do. <laughs> make I feel money? Like, yeah. yeah, I feel like in fashion well, so often it's about, you know, I mean, it should be about the love of the craft and all of that. Mm. But I think that there's almost this stigma um, about wanting to run a business. Mm-hmm. I know I certainly found that when I t- went full time with Style Girlfriend, it was sort of this sense of... Um, I got sort of a reaction of being a sellout mm. in not so many words no. um, because, you know, having a blog should just be about what you love. You shouldn't mm. be trying to make money from it. And I think yeah. that's, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I deserve to put a roof over my head. Uh, yeah. So I think that that's really interesting that you um, consider yourself a businessman just as much as you consider yourself a designer. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, you know, look, I mean, it, I used to always kind of compare it to, you know, I always hear these bands like, you know, you early on, I don't care what people say or whatever. And at the end of the day, I'm always like, why 
then why are you in front of a big group of people? Like, if you just want to sing and you want to whatever, go to the corner, sing in your bathroom, whatever. Like, if you want to perform and you want, you know, and you want to do this for a living, you know, I would do this for free if, um, even if I wasn't getting paid, I love doing it. But at the same time, I don't want to have to go work anywhere else. I, I want to be able to pay my bills doing what I do and love. And this is what I love. So it's, I'm really fortunate to be able to do something that I truly, truly love. But at the same time, I know, you know, I've got, you know, wife or ex-wife and, and uh, family and um, it's expensive, you know, to put your kids <laughs> through school. Um, so I got college coming up and, and those are the things I think about. So the business piece kind of is more of a, a means to an end, you know, I'm just trying to, um, you know, keep, keep a decent lifestyle. But, um, you know, I could have, you know, worked for J. Crew the rest of my life and been very well off, but I really wanted to do something on my own. Now, tell me what was sort of the impetus for going off in your own, like you said, you worked at Ralph Lauren, you worked at Gap, you worked at J. Crew. I'd love to sort of hear about what those experiences taught you and then what ended up being the turning point for saying, I'm going to go do this on my own now. Um, it really, I mean, it was always the thing when I was in high school or college, I always wanted to be in fashion. I didn't know what that meant. I was, grew up in Iowa. I just knew I liked clothes. So I ended up working for a menswear store in Iowa, a small uh, menswear store. And Does it still exist? Yeah, it's called Bedowers. It's in Bedowers. Des Moines, Iowa. And okay. um, they sell my product now, which is kind of fun. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's where I used to work, and I used to work in the tailor shop, and I really learned kind of the basics. And I found out that, wow, I can actually – there's an industry that, you know – and if very thriving industry. Um, at the time, he had no idea. And I read Ralph Lauren's book in the 80s. And I was like, wow, I didn't know you could actually do that. That's what I would like to do. So then I started teaching myself how to sew. I started working with the tailors. I ended up switching majors from being a um, uh, architect. Um, so I thought that's what I wanted to be. And, you know, and I, I mean, ended up switching. parallels. Yeah, it's definitely sense. somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't I felt like I didn't waste my time doing that, which was great. I, I literally, I mean, like, I'm sure a lot of kids out there, I started off being an engineer student, then I switched to business, and then I switched to architecture, and then um, these were all within semesters. Each semester, I'd be like, okay, I want to do this. So I was still doing my... Some freak out too much. They, they, they were New very happy with me. Again. It took me like six years, six and a half years to graduate. But I kept switching because I was like... It's like, like that Tommy this, Boy line when he's like, a lot of people yeah. take six years to graduate college. Yeah, they're called doctors. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely don't have my doctorate, but um, it uh, it was something I, I wouldn't give up until I figured it out. And I, I was, if I had known, I could have been a fashion designer straight away. And they don't in high school. You do all these placement tests, and they're like, "Oh, you can either be a doctor, be a or, a lawyer. Attendant or a yeah. lawyer, or a doctor." But yeah. they never say fashion designer, or they never even say you know a buyer or anything. I think I, I don't think it's unfair to say that coming out of the Midwest, there's a lot of opportunities that you're not aware are available to you. Yeah. Um, because I I can say with certainty that yeah. I went into college thinking I was going to do one thing and I came out and realized I, you know, yeah. could do more than that. Coming to New York, I think you it opens your eyes to a lot yeah. of opportunities that are out there. And there's a huge industry. I mean, there's people that, you know, at J. Crew, we had, you know, people in finance, we had people in marketing, we had this whole... Uh, infrastructure and ecosystem that's really built around it. I and mean, you think about it, you know, Gap is a $9 billion brand. I mean, it's a lot of money and um, it's traded on the New York Stock Exchange. So it's, there's, there's 
but you're not taught that growing up. So I got into it and kind of fell in love with it. And I moved to New York. And after that, I was, um, you know, I, I just couldn't believe that this, I could actually do this for a living. And that for me, and I still feel that way. I still can't believe I can make a living off of it. Did you, was there any point that you had to get over the stigma of being a man that wanted to work in fashion? Was there any of that? Did you have any friends or family members back home that kind of were like, uh? I mean, people definitely looked at me weird. Okay. It was um, one of those, I mean, I grew up, you know, I graduated college in 92. Um, and there's a lot of uh, homophobic people out there um, back then. And still now. Still now. <laughs> still now. Even though Iowa was one of the first states to legalize gay marriage, which I was very proud of. Hey, um, and um I just think it's it, it at that time it definitely was a, a bit of a you know like oh you're in fashion and and um, but it was great for me it was also the thing that I realized early on that um, I could get a lot more girls being into fashion oh, than ever yeah. you know I'd sit in class I went from architecture which I was you know there was maybe two girls in the class and I switched over to fashion I was the only guy. And I'm like, this is amazing. And then all my friends would make fun of me because they're like, oh, you're in fashion. I'm like, yeah, you want to come to one of my classes? <laughs> all my engineering friends, they were just like blown away by, by the amount of – because, you know, you're in college and you think this is supposed to be the time of my life when I'm meeting a bunch of people. And you're in engineering school or or architecture school and you're like the only – like, or sorry, there's one or two women in there. And, of course, they're feeling the same that I felt when I got into fashion. But it was like a, you know, for three years it was fun to be in it because, um, and the teachers kind of take you under their, uh, sure. under your wing as, or their wing as well and just really kind of nurture you. And, and I had a lot of teachers that really helped me, you know, whether it was getting internships or uh, making right connections with the right people or getting, you know, financial aid and stuff. It was really a great time for me to kind of get into it because I had so many people looking out for me. Yeah. I have to say, it makes me laugh. Uh, we interviewed my my pal Jeff Laub from Blind Barber mm. uh, for this podcast a while back, and he basically said the same thing about getting into hair. Oh, yeah. Like that his friends, you know, kind of razzed him for it. And yeah. then he's like, dudes, I get to be surrounded by chicks all day long. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? What would not yeah. be cool about that? So, yeah, I mean, I think that the idea of sort of being the, the minority in that way, yeah. actually, yeah. I can see how that would help. Yeah, it definitely, it was fun. I mean, I, I definitely had an affinity to be into fashion. I was always, I was like voted best dressed in high school and I always dressed well. I just was always concerned with the way I look and I always wanted to be a designer and was, you know, I turned 40, um, I was at J. Crew, and I was like, you know what, it's about time I do this. Um, I worked, my dad had said to me early on, he's like, if you want to be the best, you have to work for the best. And that was the reason why. You know, Ralph to me is is the best in menswear, and then I was fortunate enough to work for Mickey Drexler at Gap, and then he went to J Crew and brought me along, and it was a dream come true. I mean, I couldn't have had a better you know experience ever. I couldn't have planned it this well, and um, that's what taught me how to do what I do, and I've been able to grow it relatively quickly um, based on the people I know and the experience I've had. You know. I think it's great too that you were able to leave J Crew on good terms. It's sort of um, you're not burning bridges when you're not just going to work for a competitor. You're yeah. starting up your own thing. Like people can only be happy for you. They can only yeah. wish you well when yeah. you're going off to pursue your dream and not just going and working, you know, for yeah. the guys next door. Yeah, I mean, if I had left, I mean, I never would have left there to go anywhere else. I mean, Mickey, Mickey was 
uh, and still is a good friend of mine. And I still talk to him at least once or twice a year. You know, he, there's not ever going to be anybody like him. He's, he's truly, uh, he's kind of like a Steve Jobs of fashion. He really is. I never really thought about it that way, but that's really true, isn't it? Yeah. And he's actually, he was very good friends with Steve. He was, he was on the board of, of Apple and Steve was on the board of Gap when Mickey was there. So they became quick friends. And I mean, they're both geniuses. I mean, I mean, Steve was amazing, but Mickey is really kind of like, they don't exist anymore. Yeah. So I was fortunate enough to work with him. And so it was kind of bittersweet leaving because I was enjoyed being there and being a part of kind of the transformation of. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you were absolutely an integral part of bringing menswear and formal wear forward at J Crew. I mean, Mm -hmm. they weren't, suiting guys up like they are now no. until you no. said guys care about this like let's yeah, actually give them more than polos and yeah. CBDs to work with it took us a long time to get there I was there for about six, almost six years and it started off we were a very preppy brand and it was very um, you know Nantucket and East Coast really that was the only look we had and, and I knew that there was a there was this other part of the business we hadn't tapped into so we kind of went after this New York kind of city guy that was a little bit more edgy, but he didn't take himself too seriously. And, and, you know, it kind of really became a whole thing for us. You know, we, I did the, um, you know, collaborate. I was the first to do the collaboration with Red Wing and then I did uh, Timex and then. Yeah. All the in good company. Yeah. And that whole thing was really early on and it just, it took off and it became kind of the, that's what really ushered in, a lot of people to discover our brand. They were they didn't know, but they thought of J. Crew in a certain way. They thought it was a very preppy, and when we started doing these very kind of rugged guy things, they were like they came in in thousands, and it changed the business completely. So, so I figured, you know what, I was forty, and I was like, hey, you know, I better if I'm going to do my own thing. I always wanted to do it, but I was a bit, I have to say, a bit scared to do it because I mean, understandably. Yeah, um, and I be, you know, had said, you know, if I'm ever going to do this, I better do it now. I mean, what's, I, I can only imagine that fashion is the only industry that has probably like a higher failure rate than restaurants. Oh yeah, probably. Right? <laughs> probably. I mean, I would hate to, um, look at the numbers, um, but it's, it's definitely, there's a lot of similarities in kind of success and failures. It's, and it's, a lot of it is similar, uh, philosophy and how people kind of attach themselves to a brand and why they like it. Meaning like it's not, you know, not highly advertised. We don't advertise and restaurants don't either. You don't see like ABC kitchen with all these, it's all word of mouth. And it's really very similar way of people adopting or hearing about a new brand. So, um, it's tough. It's not easy. And I was fortunate, like I said, because I've been in the industry for so long, I was able to get to know the editors and get to know people and they helped me out. Like GQ was amazing. You know, I, I got, best new designer uh, when I launched and that was amazing and then you know CFDA I got that for the first three years yeah. it's nice to be an engineer at 40 huh yeah yeah <laughs> I know. Um, overnight success yeah but it was um it was needed I, I don't know how I see some of these new brands and I'm always like I feel bad you know meaning that I know the struggle I know how hard it is and I had my experience to kind of fall back on where I see somebody, you know, who's 30 and I'm like, wow, you know, and I couldn't have done it at 30. I would have been closed in two years if I had done it. Yeah. So, but I, because I was able to do what really kind of changed 
my success was really kind of doing these collaborations. My first was with Champion, and that took off, and that is now 50% of our business. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it'll be bigger now that we have women's coming out, so. Well, I was, I mean, I did want to talk about, you are a very equal opportunity designer, as mm -hmm. it were. I mean, you have this amazing collaboration with um, Target that's out right now, the yeah. local pride, which I love. Uh, obviously, you know, working with Champion for as long as you have. How focused are you on making sure that fashion is accessible to, you know, the quote-unquote regular guy that is shopping at Target or is shopping at the mall? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I like to do a lot of different things, and, and the Target thing was really interesting. Um, it really taps into my love of, you know, curating and researching and finding things that um, make a store unique. Like, that's the thing, you know, when I was at J. Crew, we opened the liquor store, and it wasn't just our average assortment. We, like, made it special for the store, and... You know, we even did like a liquor store T-shirt that was a limited edition that you could only get, um, and then it changed every season. Um, and then, you know, we did a lot of things with you know local restaurants down there. And so I really found out I enjoyed working with these other brands and kind of discovering, you know, and researching each you know location. So we called it Local Pride, and it really um, is about like if you're in Boston, you want you don't want to just like stupid souvenir that you get at the airport you want something that's a little bit more thought has a little more thought behind it mm -hmm. and that's what local pride was about so that target kind of tapped me to say you know we love kind of the way you curate can you do that for us so i created this name local pride and um you know made t-shirts where one of our best-selling t-shirts is it's it's wicked smart and it's spelled like it sounds. Sure. Um, and it's one of our best-selling T-shirts. But it's just like a fun, you know, so there's some humor in there. But there's also, like, we have, uh, do you know what? It's stylish. It looks Yeah, good. stylish yeah. is cool. It's a great graphic. I don't know if you know what Fluffernutter is. It's no. It's an East Coast thing. It's from I Boston. Brittany is looking at me like, Megan, what is wrong with you? Yeah. That sounds disgusting. So it's amazing. It is. It's very white trash, but it's amazing. Okay. But it's so good. So it's I mean, basically it's a it. it's a marshmallow spread. Basically, fluff is a marshmallow spread. So you put it on bread and you put peanut butter on it. I know it's not everybody, <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's a Boston thing. It's actually made. Okay. It's, it's made near Boston. So, okay. Um, I'm from Wisconsin. Like my favorite thing in the world is fried cheese curds. I'm not a snob. Oh, I love that. Me. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Tailgate is another brand that which a lot of people don't know, actually paid a lot of my bills when we were launching Todd Snyder. I mean, Tailgate, I started back in 97 with my dad and my brother, and it's built around um, college T-shirts because I was frustrated when I would ever go back for football games or basketball games. I never had anything to wear. And here I am working at Ralph Lauren, and I'm thinking, look, wait, I work at Ralph. Why don't I just do so, a really nice t-shirt or sweatshirt that doesn't shrink three sizes and put a cool graphic on it. It took off. It was hugely successful. Um, we ended up getting into Urban Outfitters and then we ended up getting Bloomingdale's called and then Bergdorf's called. They were calling us and then we like, we love your t-shirts. It's a good feeling when that shifts the other way. Yeah, You're it's not the amazing. one picking up the phone to make the calls amazing. anymore. Amazing. And then I ended up leaving that because I couldn't make enough money to sustain myself and family and my brother kept it going. So anyway, is he still in Iowa? Yeah, still in Iowa, and it's still based in Iowa, but we have design offices here. So I, I, what my whole goal was is, like, how do you take a designer filter and stick it on, like, you know, college T-shirts? And, um, you know, it's been really successful. And I mean, that aesthetic is something we talk about a lot on Style Girlfriend because, mm -hmm. you know, our reader is very much the guy that 
is going to watch football on Sunday, mm-hmm. and then he's going to go into a corporate office on Monday, and yeah. he wants to look good on both days. Both. Yeah. Right. He doesn't think that he should have to, you know. And that was always my frustration. The oversized yeah. jersey, or exactly. yeah, the T-shirt that's made of like cardboard and is three sizes yeah. too big. Yeah. Absolutely. Or you have to paint yourself, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> we want to keep our guy from having to paint. Yeah. That's you know, it's um, and that was my frustration. You know, here I'm a stylish guy living in New York, and when I go home for a, a basketball game, I would have to put on this ugly T-shirt that I just you know couldn't wait to take off. It just didn't feel good and didn't fit right. And I'm like, this is broken. It doesn't make sense. So. I saw a void in the marketplace and said, you know what, I have an idea and um, started doing it. And then and it took off. And then we started making T-shirts for American Eagle. We started making T-shirts for Old Navy and Gap and everybody. And then. Well, let's talk about that a little because yeah. uh, there's been some exciting news yeah. in, around Todd Snyder HQ recently. You guys actually sold both Todd Snyder and Tailgate to American Eagle Outfitters, right? Yeah, yeah. So when is, talk to me about that. When is that yeah, all going to affect? What's the plans that are coming out of that? Yeah, so basically because we were, you know, selling college t-shirts to American Eagle, um, they fell in love with it. Um, you know, we did a collaboration, I think I said before, with a champion, and we had a store in, in New York mm-hmm. called City Gym. It was very cool. Yeah, I loved it. It was so, it was a pop-up, and I was so sad when we had to close it, um, but we'll, beginning another one so which i'm really happy about um but american eagle just they walked into the store and they're like oh my god this stuff is amazing and who's doing this and they found out it was me and realized they were we were actually selling t-shirts to them and they're like why don't we just buy you and then started showing them todd snyder and they fell in love with that and said you know what we really want you kind of in our sphere and, and would love to support you in both and leverage you also just as a sounding board for American Eagle. And, um, you know, I love being around creatives. I love being around that energy. And especially when you've got, you know, enough people. Chad Kessler is the one who really fell in love with it. Um, he came from Abercrombie, worked to coach, and just a really – has a very similar aesthetic to me, but he's a lot more business-oriented than I am and just really kind of pushed it through and made it happen. And um, I like being around people that, you know, that we all – it just we sit in a room and we just brainstorm about 20 ideas. And, yeah. and they have amazing talent there. So for me, it's just kind of a dream come true and enables me to do more. Um, so that's going to – really mean is us we're going to be opening more stores in tailgate so madison's the next one it's basically going to be all the things you love about retail today like you're starting to see everybody kind of change a lot of customers they want to be have a place to hang out or um you know meet friends or whatever it is and to have the opportunity to do that so they really have allowed us to grow that concept and so what are you most excited about then for, for this partnership? Is it being able to take your business hat off a bit and put you know the designer hat back on, the creative hat back on, or is it just about being able to bring Tom Snyder to more people, about scaling? It's about scaling. Yeah. It's really about scaling. Um, it takes a lot of the pressure. I mean, I used to worry about paying people, and you know, I've had a lot of my uh, people that I've worked with, you know, I've been here for five years, and we've just been scraping by. You know, it's been tough. We all believe in it. Um, you know, and it's been challenging that way. And um, this enables us to do more and to reach more people. And you don't have to worry so much about the financial burden. I mean, I still have to perform and still have to be successful in the business. But 
it gives me kind of a big brother in a way to really kind of help. Um, so we'll be able to scale um, tailgate a lot quicker. You know, so we're going to test five stores this year. If those prove well, then we'll really start to ramp it up even more. Uh, Will Todd Snyder be sold in the tailgate stores? Oh, uh, no, no. No, just tailgate. Just tailgate. Um, tailgate, um, but... W- but with Tailgate, we really, um, it's a curated assortment as well. So it's very similar to what I've been doing in Todd Snyder where um, you'll have 10 other brands like, um, you know, Golden Bear, which is made in uh, U.S. Letterman jackets. So we're going to be, you know, doing that. And we have these Leatherhead footballs that are made in New Jersey that have the Wisconsin logo on it. It's Terrapin stationery that we do, um, you know, tasteful versions of things that's the beauty of it and then i think once more people discover it they're going to realize oh my god i now have because you know you never know what to get people for gifts and 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 it also is something when you're there you're like finally i have something i i can wear because i think you know especially with you know, college students, and and they're very fashion conscious. Well, they're getting they're more discerning. savvy. I, yeah. Every time I go back to my alma mater, I see that, you know it's that situation of like I I wore sweatpants all through college, <laughs> like yeah. So yes, they're getting much more fashion savvy, even yeah. in more remote. I mean, I went to school in Pennsylvania, and you know, yeah. sure they're still wearing UGGs, you know, and all of that. Yeah. But I mean. They look better than I did when yeah, I was in college. I know. I mean, sure. well, they're a lot more informed. I mean, yeah. it's you know, because of what you're doing and it, the the amount of information and how fast it comes. I have two daughters, one's 15 and one's 12, and they know more than I do. I mean, they're, you know, whether it's Snapchat or Instagram or whatever, they know. Do you get the, what, oh, dad, eye rolls oh, just on, like, you everything. Have no idea. <laughs> we were at a Star That's Wars professional event. professional eye-rolling yeah. images. <laughs> my, well, my daughter called me out on Instagram. We were at a Star Wars event. And um, last night or the night before, and they had an opportunity. You could actually take uh, photographs with the um, stormtroopers. So oh, cool. I had my hooded um, outerwear piece on my parka, and I threw on the hood over my head and took a, took a photo and posted it and said, the Dark Lord, whatever. And my daughter was livid. She's like, no, Dad, this is wrong. You know, I don't. And then she wrote, you know, I, I, I know everybody thinks you're cool, but I have to disagree. <laughs> on, Instagram. <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. Wow. Only 30,000 30, people, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it was a... Yeah, oh, so it's, but they learn. I mean, they know stuff. I love that. Uh, I want to drill down a bit just because uh, we don't um, always have people that are actually in the fashion industry mm-hmm. on this podcast. You know, it's really more our form to talk to people who we think are living with style. Mm-hmm. So I really, I want to hear from you. What What does living with style mean to you? Um, you know, for me, I was always, you know, like I grew up, you know, like I said before in Iowa, um, and I was always concerned with how I looked, you know, I was always in a clothes and I think a big part of it was, I remember my parents didn't have a ton of money and I just didn't, I had like one pair of jeans growing up and I didn't have a lot of clothes, but I always wish I did. And I think it's a big reason why I got into fashion was because I always, I didn't want to look as poor as we were not that we were you know dirt poor um but we didn't have a lot of money and i would always be very envious of people that had you know the nice clothes and style for me kind of represented you know you know being true to yourself and and not you know trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes and and just kind of being i realized that you don't have to have a lot of money to look good and um 
you know, I really, you know, having great taste is, you know, everybody can afford that. And, you know, whether you have one great pair of jeans or you have, you know, one great pair of shoes, just making sure that it's the right shoe or that's the right jean or the right suit. Um, and I've said this to a lot of people that are always like, oh, I can't do what you do because I don't have any money. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Like, if you invest in the right pieces, those pieces you'll have for five years, especially in menswear. And I've always felt, you know, I'd rather save up for a great vacation rather than taking a bunch of small ones. Um, and I usually go on, like, one big vacation a year. Um, you know, I'm not going out to eat every every night of the week. You know, I'm I'm saving up to do something bigger. So I think it's just making choices and, and being a good editor is, is to me, what... Um, you know, it's important to enjoy friends and family, and I think that's what I like to spend my money on is 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 doing that. So I kind of save up for that, and you know, from time to time I do spoil myself. But I, you know, I think just having great style and and great taste is really to me it's important, just because those are the things you kind of appreciate. You know, I still remember, you know, my first skateboard that I ever had, and I saved up and I used to deliver papers and. I that's how I saved up to buy this skateboard and I wanted to make sure it was the skateboard. I didn't want to just buy a cheap skateboard. I wanted something that had like the best wheels and the best, you know, um board and that for me was important. I wanted something I knew that I was going to have for a long period of time. And um that to me is what great style is 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 kind of investing in things and not buying something cuz it's cool at the moment. I'm thinking about like what am I going to have that five years from now, I'll probably still wear or still have in my home, you know, and, and that's goes kind of for a lot of things that I, whatever I do. So I always kind of use that philosophy. If I'm buying a car, I think about a car that, you know what, I know I'll have this for five years and I won't be tired of it after one year. And I'm, I'm not disposable about anything. And I think that to me is what really kind of it represents great style as having something that you're going to have for a long period of time that's cool and you know you're going to be wearing it a year from now or two years from now. It's different in men's than it is women's because women's, I feel like... does change more often. It changes yeah. a lot quicker. But, I mean, you could probably find a lot of parallels in that too. It's like you, you buy a great shoe or a great bag because you know it's going to be something you're not going to be tired after one season. And there's sometimes you want to have fun and you want to get that fun item and you're you're okay with not having it after one season. And then... There's so many avenues that you can actually sell stuff online that you can actually make your money back. I, I love what you said about investment. Do you think that that's something that guys don't intrinsically understand as well as women? They don't. They don't. I think that's the biggest learning for me and, and even for friends of mine that are always um, – or even uh, – um, girlfriends or wives are always like, how can I get my husband to dress like you or dress like, you know, one of your lookbook images or something? And I said, it's, it's all about just picking the right items. And, you know, I study a lot. I mean, I, I, I'm pinning on Pinterest all the time and I'm always looking at magazines. I'm always, you know, watching movies. I'm always researching, you know, just for my own job, you know, it's kind of what I do is watching people and just seeing what people wear. So I really kind of know what's, when it's, something's coming in, when it's a little over, when it's time to change. And guys don't always know that and they, they never will. But like thinking about something that is tasteful and thinking of, 
you know, the easiest way to look at it for me is to think about uh, movie stars that, that old Hollywood or new Hollywood, the people that you think have cool style, and follow them a little bit, meaning like follow them on, you know, Facebook or Instagram or whatever and see what they're wearing. And, um, or if there's movies that you love, I mean, Daniel Craig for me is a person that always looks great in every movie. I think he has it written to, into his contract. He has, <laughs> he, I think he does. Um, uh, we actually dress him sometimes, um, which is great. But even like Ryan Gosling and Ryan Reynolds, they all love our clothes. So I'm really fortunate that I have a lot of, you know, Hollywood celebrities that love men that love our stuff. And probably some women too. (laughs) Probably some women. I hope so. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's always, um, you know, I follow those people. So for me, finding that person that kind of becomes your muse in a way and you kind of, you know, see what they're wearing. And I think it's that idea of intentionality, right? I mean, just like a guy who, yeah, maybe would take all the time in the world to research the car that he wants or to make sure that the trip that he's going on is a great trip. You sh- can and should be doing the same thing with your style. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not that the wherewithal isn't there or the, you know, the ability to dedicate your time to that. It's just, I think it's just a choice at the end of the day. Guys have to make a choice that their style is just as important as the car they drive or the type of vacations that they take and yeah. go for I mean, there. I mean, I gotta, I mean, I said it earlier, but I mean, if you want, you know, I mean, if you're dating and, and, and I mean, I, I used to always say this, I mean, whether you're gay or straight, if you want to get laid, it's the easiest way. And most guys screw it up every time. And I'm like, are you serious? Like if you're really, you know, after that girl or whatever, and you, you dress better than every other guy, you win. I mean, because as soon as a guy has bad shoes, you're out. <laughs> bad shoes before a bad watch. That's what I think a lot of guys think that, you know, they need to be flexing with a Rolex. And it's like, no. No. You're not even getting through the door if you're wearing scratch-out <laughs> shoes. It doesn't matter what's Yeah. Matters. That's my style of advice for every guy who's listening. And <laughs> Hopefully all our listeners wife. know that at this point. Yeah, like, I hope God, so. If it's, any of you are looking down right now looking at your scratch-out shoes, just burn them, please. Yes. Please. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the biggest turnoff, I think, for for whether you're a girl or, you know, or a guy is like seeing square toed shoes. Uh, sounds like you are very sort of in tune with, with what a woman wants. What's the best advice you've ever received from a woman? I, I think it's really kind of my whole, uh, my way of, of work and everything. And, and I've always lived by this, you know, few simple rules and it's really, um, you know, you know, dress well and be nice. I mean, that for me is kind of my secret to success, whether it's been, you know, working in the industry, um, you know, I work incredibly hard and, but I'm probably the nicest person you'll meet in the industry just because I come from Iowa and I don't know any other way. And that's part of what's gotten me to where I am. You know, I, I mean, I can definitely be pushy when I need to be. Um, cause when you start to feel someone's taking advantage of you, that's what I hate the most. And then I can, I can be, you know, as tough as they are, but for the most part, um, you know, I, I don't yell at work. You know, I, I've been in the industry for 20 years and worked with a lot of people that do yell and I've never, that I've always told myself I'm not going to be that person because I just don't like it and it doesn't, you know, really help creativity at all. You know, I don't like to lead by fear. So I've always tried to inspire. Um, but yeah, those are probably my two biggest things um as far as advice 
at least my advice would I give someone else is, <laughs> but I mean, dressing well and dressing the part is, is something that's gotten me, whether you're in fashion or whether you're in banking or whatever. I mean, if you dress better and you're more serious about the way you present yourself, everyone will take you more seriously. And there's been studies, you know, uh, that have proven that the better dressed you are, the quicker you get promoted. And, um, you know, dressing the part really makes a difference. And I think what's interesting about that, especially from you and the line that you've created, I mean, you're in a, a black sweatshirt today mm-hmm. and you look better than a guy in a crappy suit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So dressing well, it lives on this spectrum of, yeah. you know, casual to formal. Uh, so it, there's not, uh, you know, you don't have to be suited up yeah. to be dressed well. And I think some guys see that as this hurdle, like, well, if I'm going to improve my style, am I going to have to wear, you know, a blazer every day? No. No. Absolutely not. No, the trick the trick is, um, especially you know, living in New York, the easiest thing to do is always wear black. You'll never go wrong. But the other trick is um, tonal dressing. Uh, that's the one thing I always um, push a lot of guys to do. Like you know, wear all blue, you know, or wear all camel. I mean, that's for me. You wear all gray. Like it, it's amazing how incredibly chic and stylish you can become just by simplifying your wardrobe. Um, but then same thing, you know, wear a suit for me, I've always worn, you know, very, you know, wear like a charcoal suit with a charcoal tie, a white shirt and a white pocket square. And it's very kind of mad men in a way. And it's simple, but it, it does the trick and I don't try to overdo it. And I think that's what happens with a lot of guys that they try too hard. And I think the advice I always give guys is like, you need to dress well, but don't make it look like you tried too hard. Right. You need to look like you did it effortlessly, and the way you do that is just keep it simple. So before I let you go, I want to play SG approved or not this dude. Okay. Let's play TS approved or not this dude. (laughs) Uh, We'll start. Are you ready? Yeah. You scared? No. I am a little bit. Yeah, no. (laughs) I wasn't scared until you asked me if I was scared. I'm like, wait, uh uh-oh. Should I be? Taylor Swift. TS approved, yeah. All right. Ugly sweater parties. Yeah, not not approved. Not this dude. No. Brunch. Yes, absolutely. Wearing a Santa hat to your office holiday party. Not a pretty. Uh, oh, that sweet potatoes with marshmallows side dish that you get at Christmas. Is this like the fluffernutter that I was talking about? <laughs> um, the sweet potatoes and what? Like that's topped with marshmallows. I've never had that. Oh. So I, I'd probably say why not? <laughs> uh, sneakers with a suit. Yes, still. It's about about another six months. Uh, all-inclusive resorts. That's tough. I, I would I would pass on that one. Yeah, not approved. Smart cars. Um, anything te- anything technology? Yes. And sport cars. It depends on the right ones. Yeah. What oh, kind yeah. of sports car guy are you? Um, I'm much more. I mean, I want a Tesla. I don't know if I'd call it a sports car though. Mm. Um, yeah, might be. Maybe. Yeah, you have to be careful on that because you can look really cheesy. Like, he, he, no Ferraris, no Lamborghini, no Lambos. Not this dude for any of those, but. Yeah, I mean, you could do, that's a tough one. There's probably, like, two or three that you could get. Like, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really delicate balance, and that's why it's tough for guys because they think, oh, I'm just going to get a sports car. I've, you know, earned Call it. Call it a day, right. You need think vintage first. It's the same thing with a Rolex watch. Go vintage first. And think of Bond, think of... I always use the filter of Steve McQueen, Paul Newman. Like, look at that. 
think of that as your filter. Would he wear this? Or would he drive it? And since both of them are not around anymore, go vintage. That's you should make advice. those bracelets and just have them say, like, what would Steve McQueen do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd make a million. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so last question. We always ask our guests this. So what was your first million bucks moment? My first one was probably I'm trying to think. I th- I think it was when um, literally I remember it now pretty vividly. I went to go see James Bond um, when um, Daniel Craig took over. It was the Casino Royale, I think it was. Um, and he looked so stylish in that movie, and he was wearing. I actually made me buy a tuxedo. It was a like tight, for no occasion. You're just like now. I just. I'm in a tuxedo. I and I knew I, I would have occasions coming up, sure. and um, I was a J Crew at the time. And even though we didn't have tuxedos back then, and I was like, I have to go get a tuxedo, and I went and got um, a polo black label tux. I still have it. Best fit, you know, just crisp, clean, chic, and. And I've worn it probably a dozen times, and that was probably my my moment where I realized I need a tux. And you know, living in the city and being in fashion, there's always moments for it. And I've worn it to my CFDA, um, you know, awards events and things like that. And I've broken it up and worn it with jeans. And oh my um, god, I love it. Yeah, I think. I'm always looking for occasions I can actually wear it. But now that I make my own tuxes, I, I wear my own. But, you know. <laughs> no, I just look better. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Well, I think that's a perfect way to go out. Todd Snyder, thank you so much for being here. I had such a good time. Oh, thank you. It was great to meet you and chat. It was fun. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see each other in Madison. Yeah. <laughs> I got to show it to you. Can't wait. All right. that's a show thank you todd snyder and thanks to you guys for listening and for subscribing because you did that already right and left a glowing review cool (laughs) this is actually going to be our last podcast for the year for 2015 goodbye uh because we're trying to get ahead of schedule instead of you know recording on a friday handing things off to our podcast editor and having her edit over the weekends which Weirdly enough, she doesn't love doing, uh, but she does for us because she's nice like that. But that being said, we have some great guests lined up for 2016. So, you know, just take this time to go back and listen to our archives and we'll see you in January. Sound good? So till next time, this is Undressed. I'm Megan Collins of Style Girlfriend. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 